Thank you for listening to the podcast of John Thiel Maasbach. We hope it inspires you and pray this message will bless you. My dear friends, I'm so happy that we can have fellowship together today through this broadcast and that we can dive into the Word of God. Today, I want to speak about this wonderful story of Jesus Christ and two main characters. And one of this character is a man called Simon, and this other character is a woman. I don't read her name, but she was known as a sinner. Actually, the story is about a woman who was a known sinner and a man who did not know he was a sinner. Let's go together to the book of Luke, chapter 7, and we will start reading at verse 36. And when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender, and one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debt of both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I am amazed with this story, and especially with this courageous faith of this woman. What an example for us today. And as I said, this is an example for all of us. It doesn't matter if you are a born-again believer yet, or if you are maybe a Christian for one year, or maybe for 50 years, there is something in this story, my friends, that is for us today. And especially for those who have something that is blocking their communion, their fellowship with the Lord himself, or with your pastor, or with the congregation, or somebody in the congregation, or with your church as a whole, as a body. You know, many of us find ourselves in a position 
that because we have been disobedient or maybe something happened that really disappointed us, discouraged us, and somehow returned our back and gave up. And now we find that there is a blockage between us and the church. We don't go back to church with such enthusiasm anymore because there is something there. We don't like to sit there on communion day and sip the cup together with some of the people in the church or even maybe with the pastor because there is something there that is blocking, that is in the way. Maybe you have a problem with your pastor. Maybe he had a sermon that you don't like. Maybe you have something with your pastor because he rebuked you in a way that you didn't like and he put his finger on something that you don't agree with and now there is something between you and your pastor. Maybe there is something between you and the church, something between you and a church member, or maybe there is even something between you and the Lord himself. You don't like those quiet moments of fellowship when we get into the worship and God starts to speak. You rather just give a loud shout so you don't hear that soft voice because there is something that is either aching or hurting or irritating you in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, and it has become a blockage. It has become something that is in the way. And my dear friend, there is something in this story that will help you today. You know, this woman, she was a sinner. She was a known sinner. And she wasn't just a known sinner for others. She knew herself that she was a sinner and that she had a problem. But somehow the Holy Spirit put in her mind a thought for a way to make things right, right with her creator, right with God. And the answer was in Jesus. If she could just go to Jesus, if she could just find Jesus and somehow worship him, as in some translations, it says, and she worshiped him. She worshiped him through her love, through her devotion. And she showed her humility and her dependence upon him and that she needed grace. She didn't come there with excuses. She didn't come there to justify herself, but she came because she needed the grace of God and she had received that answer in her spirit, in her mind, that that grace would be given through Jesus, through the Christ, the Messiah. And she went there, and I tell you, that took courageous faith. It wasn't just faith, it was courageous faith, as she had to enter that house. I mean, can you imagine all those people laying around there, looking at her, the way they looked at her? I mean, if you just listen to the way that Simon and he was the religious leader there. How he talked about her, how he thought about her, how he must have looked upon her. It was a terrible thing for her, such humiliation and shame to come into that house and to do what she did, what she had to do. And she did it, praise the Lord. And the answer was there, your sins are forgiven. Through your faith, your sins are forgiven. She received. But let's go a little bit to the beginning of the story. You know, I read in this story about a woman who was a known sinner and a man who did not know he was a sinner. He who thought that he could see was in actuality blind, and she who they thought was blind had received sight from the Lord. You know, the way they looked to themselves determined how they looked to Jesus, what they thought of Jesus, how they respected Jesus, and how they surrendered to Jesus and how they received Jesus. 
This is very important here, my friends. I mean, Simon, he felt himself already justified. So he saw no need for him to have Jesus in his life. And he didn't recognize Jesus. And he didn't know what Jesus had done, who Jesus was, and what Jesus would do for him. He thought that he was already saved by race. But my friends, we are not saved by race. We are saved by grace. He was from the seed of Abraham. Yes, he was privileged because of that, but he was not saved because of that. We are saved through Christ, the Redeemer. And all, be it Jew or Greek or Gentile, we all need Christ and the salvation that is in Christ. It is in Christ alone because it pleased God that he through Christ would bring all things together in one, as one, in one, in him, in Christ, and through Christ also one with the Father, one in him. But Simon, he did not see that need for Christ because, well, he was from the seed of Abraham and he was justified in his eyes through the law. But you know, the Bible clearly teaches and go to the teachings of Paul, we will see that it's not the law that justifies us or that saves us. It is the law that has been given to us to show us, and it shows all of us, every human being, that we are trespassers of the law and that we come short and that we need grace, that we need salvation, that we need forgiveness. The law shows that we need a savior. He thought that he was justified through his own works, but also our works don't justify us. I tell you, some have a whole system in this. If they do one wrong bad deed, well, then they have two right deeds they need to do, and that puts the scale back in balance again. You know, it's just like those people that come and they confess their sins, and somebody tells them, well, say 10 Hail Marys and and 20 Our Fathers, and then all will be okay. But my friend, We are not justified by our good works. No matter how many times you pray that prayer, it's not because you pray that repetitive prayer. It's because God comes and he sees the prayer of a humble heart and he comes into that heart and he makes all things brand new. Well, you know, this man, Simon, who was a religious leader, can you imagine if he was blind as a religious leader, how were the people that were listening to him and depending on him for sight and for wisdom. That's a terrible situation here. But Simon, he thought that he was saved through all the religious rituals. You know, I believe in the sacraments, the holy sacraments that have been given to us. I believe in the baptism. That's very important as an adult, as we surrender our life and become born again, that we have that baptism in water, the same way that Jesus was baptized and gives us the example there through John the Baptist, that as we are baptized and submerged into water, it is such a powerful moment, and things happen when we get baptized, and and there is something powerful there, and it gives such a testimony to ourselves and and to the church and the congregation, to our unbelieving friends, and, and also to the Lord, to all of heaven, and also to the kingdom of darkness. I mean, that moment is a very special moment. But my friends, you are not saved and you don't receive a ticket to heaven because once in your life you have been baptized. It's the renewed heart that brings you in heaven. And your heart does not get renewed because you are baptized. It gets renewed because Christ comes and lives and dwells in your heart because it's cleansed by the blood because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So the ritual 
is important. Oh, I love the sacrament of Holy Communion. But it's not that sacrament that makes me holy. That moment is always so wonderful as we come together as a church and we lift up the cup and we eat the bread and we drink the wine. I tell you, there's power there. That is, that is the most intimate we can be with our Savior and our Lord as we confess together that we are one with Him. And so we are also one with each other. And it's all because of the body that has been broken for us and the blood that has been shed for us. But I tell you, my friend, it's not because you go to church and have that holy moment of sacrament of the Holy Communion that you are saved. It's because you have given and surrendered your life unto Him and that He comes into your life and makes all things new. That's why you are saved. And that moment of holy sacrament of the Holy Communion, it testifies of it and it gives a power unto it, but it's not the thing that saves us. And so there are other things that we can do. But you know, in Simon's thoughts, he was already justified because he belonged to the seed of Abraham, because he followed the law and he did it so immaculately. And because he felt he was justified by his own works and he had all those religious rituals in his life. But I tell you, if there ever was a man lost, it was this Simon. He did not know who he was himself or where he was. He thought he knew, but he didn't know. He thought he knew who Jesus was. Oh, he said, if this man was a prophet. Oh, I tell you, he missed it all. He was not just a prophet. He is the prophet, and he is the priest, and he is the king, and he is the sacrifice. He is all in all, my friends. And Simon did not see that and did not recognize that, although he had the scriptures. He had all the verses of Moses and Elijah and all the other prophets in the Bible. He could have recognized Jesus, but he did not want to because he had a closed mind a closed spirit, a closed heart, because he thought that he was already justified, that he did not need Christ. He thought he knew who he was himself, and so he did not look to Jesus as someone that he would need. He thought he knew Jesus as he said, well, he is a teacher. Yes, tell me, teacher. Tell me, rabbi. He saw him as a teacher. He thought he was a prophet, but Oh, already there the doubting comes because if he was a prophet, he would have known who this woman really is. Well, I tell you, he missed out who Jesus, the one and only Jesus who was in his house, who he invited and who came in his house. He missed it. He went out again, Jesus, out of the house of Simon, but nothing changed for Simon because he had a, a partial view of who he was, but not the whole view because he had a partial view of who Jesus was, but not a full view. And he had a partial view of whom this woman was, but not a full view. You know, he thought he knew this woman because he he said, she is a sinner. Well, she's a sinner. Sometimes, you know, I remember some time ago, they asked a group of children to make a drawing of a bad villain. And, you know, they all made... That bad villain looked so so terrible with the big eyebrows and the, the way they put the eyes and the mouth. I mean, you could see that was a villain. You know, that's how we see a villain. That's how we see a sinner. You know, one time I came up to my house and there was a homeless man laying there. 
and I felt such compassion for him as I walked past him. He was laying on the stairs, and I made a little chat with him, and I went up into the house. I thought, man, what should I do for him? But, you know, the police came and took him away because under his coat, he had all the equipment to break into the house and to break open the door. And that was why he was there, to break into the house and to rob me. You know, sometimes we get deceived by the way we look at people, by the way we look at ourselves, by the way we look to Jesus, because we are having just a partial view. And it is what we have in our mind as an opinion that already predetermines how we view things. We think we know how a sinner looks. Oh, that that man is smoking. That's a real sinner. Oh, that man has a glass of wine in his hand. That's a real sinner. Oh, that man, you know, or that woman, and then we have a certain picture. Now, that's a real sinner. But do you know who is a real sinner? You know how a real sinner looks like? Well, just look in the mirror, my friend. Yes, if we all look in the mirror, we will see a sinner right there because, you know, we are all sinners. Every man, that sweet little woman that is there is also a sinner who comes short of the glory of God. I'm not saying we all have such evil hearts and we're all on the evil path. I'm just saying we all need Christ. Simon, who was of the seed of Abram, who kept the law to the best of his ability, who was doing and performing the rituals that they had in their faith, that in the Jewish rituals, he was performing them. He was a faithful child in those things, but yet he needed Christ. And so many people, they can do such sweet things, giving some money for an offering here, helping maybe some society there, but you know, that does not make us saved. And Simon, he missed it because, well, the way he viewed himself, he saw no need of a savior. And the way he saw Christ, he did not recognize him as a savior. And the way he saw the woman, he thought, now that is a real sinner. And so if you talk about who is really lost, truly lost, it was this Simon and it is people like Simon who don't see the need of a sinner because maybe they already have some ritual or some, you know, form of religiosity in their life, or maybe they have done some good deeds, or maybe they think they've never done anything bad or evil enough to condemn them to hell. But my dear friend, we are all in need of a Savior, and Christ is the appointed Savior. You know, we can say, well, I want to appoint my own Savior. Well, I would want to say good luck with that. As you go to heaven and God says, this is the Savior I appointed, but you say, no, I have appointed another Savior. My Savior is the Pope in Rome. He is such a holy man. Well, he might be such a holy man, but he is not the Savior that is appointed by God. God appointed Christ, his Son, to be the Savior. And so we must put our faith upon him and him alone. Oh, my dear friend, as we will meet each other again in the next broadcast, we will continue with this marvelous story, and we will go into the second main character, which is this woman with the great example that she gives for all of us. Father, I pray for those that are listening right now. They don't have to wait for the next broadcast, but they can receive you right now wherever they are listening to this broadcast. As they open their heart, and confess and say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of grace. I ask you, Lord, come into their life because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and forgive them of their sins and write their name 
in the book of life. And Lord, I ask you to do it right now. I know you want to do it right now because, Lord, you are always anxious to save those that have an open heart for you. So, Lord, save them right now and bless them as they continue on their road with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you wish to listen to more messages? Go to themessagestation.com. Also visit us at maasbach.com. 